gonna it's gonna basically be revolve around Bible passages and how certain things have affected my life and um, and uh, you know we'll see how it goes. All right. So uh, I start with this: why I'm here today. Just to be clear, uh, I had suggested to Jay for someone else to talk like two months ago, <laughs> and uh, so we we talked to that individual about about you know doing this presentation and he just wasn't able to do it so within 10 minutes Jay texts me hey how about you do it so be careful what you ask for you know so anyway so this passage Peter 315 and if someone asks about your Christian hope always be ready to explain it so for me um, I'm a very methodical kind of guy so like it probably I probably spent seven hours putting this presentation together you know, and that's just who I, that's who I am. You know, I go over it, I go over it. You know, I'm an engineer. So uh, hopefully it's good for you. It was really good for me because I got a lot out of it. Um, so hopefully it goes both ways. So, again, I apologize. And if you got, let me just step back. If you have any questions as I go, I'm better if you ask questions. Just jump right in um, and say, hey, what are you doing or what, where are you heading? And I'm fine to, to clear that up. Um, also, I also want to say that there's some Bible verses in here that mean something to me. If they mean something to you differently, that doesn't mean you're right or I'm wrong. See Jay afterwards, and he can, cl <laughs> he, he can clean that up. Yeah. So uh, just a quick agenda. I'll go through my background, my walk with the Lord, um, forgiveness, which has been a big piece of my life here um, probably over the last, I don't know, five, six years, and, and talk a little bit about that. Um, also talk about how stepping out of my comfort zone has been a good thing for me, and um, I encourage everybody else to also do that. And then if we have time, I, I hope to do it. Um, I journal at the men's retreat each year, um, and so I just wanted to share some passages from those retreats. And uh, if you guys have all been there, then you, you'll remember them. If you haven't been, um, well, you might get bored. I don't know. We'll see. So... Um, <clears throat> So a little background. Um, I was raised with uh, Italian family. Uh, both my parents are still alive, loving parents. They're close to 90. Um, my mother um, raised seven kids. She was a stay-at-home mom. She's, a, she's, even to this day, I mean, she's a stud. She just, she works, you know. She, uh, you wouldn't know she's almost 90 years old. She, uh, Quick story about my mom. She, um, I had a brother younger than me who passed away at a really young age, a couple months. He had some some disabilities. I didn't even really know him. But um, uh, at 14, when I was 14, my mom got pregnant again at 45. And uh, so a lot of people were really questioning her, like, do you want to know? Is there going to be a birth defect? Like, what are the issues? You know, you just had a baby that had, a, you know, a, an issue, what, maybe 10 years ago. And my mother was like, I don't want to know. What, what does it matter? You know, so her faith is really strong. Um, we're raised Catholic, um, and, you know, she, she goes to church every single day. You know, that's, that's who my mom is. My father uh, is an engineer. Um, he owned his own uh, custom engineering uh, design build company where we made uh, equipment for the government. Um, anybody that needed a custom piece of equipment, we would design it and then manufacture it. He's a true inventor. Um, he enjoyed, he's a man who really enjoyed his career. He enjoyed being an engineer. He 
he got excited when there was a challenge. And I probably get some of that from him, but um, uh, really great, really great role models. And again, I, I don't have anything bad to say about my parents. I know there's people that have plenty of issues. I didn't have any of them. You know, it was, it was you know, Joan Cleaver, you know, that type of thing. Um, <clears throat> I'm married, uh, second wife. I have four kids, two from a first marriage and two stepkids. All of them are, um, you know, in their mid-20s, close to 30. I have one grandson, which I can't not show a picture of him. There he is. Yeah. Does that make you smile? Is that crazy? Yeah, Tyler, yeah, nine months old. <clears throat> not going to crawl. He's going to go straight to walking. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening. There's no, there's no way out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was raised Catholic, so I don't have any great story of, you know, I was born again in some great downturn in my life, you know. Uh, I, I don't know a time in my life when I didn't know, I didn't know the Lord. I just, I don't have that experience. So um, uh, I, can't share, I can't share one of those great aha moments with you guys. But for as long as I can remember, uh, it, was, it was a part of my life, you know. Uh, I was raised Catholic. And it's funny, you know, as I've, as I've matured more in my faith here at Grace Point, I know probably more about the Catholic faith now than I did when I was raised that way. And uh, so, uh, you know, kind of neat. Uh, education. Uh, I went to uh, Drexel University at night. I, was, uh, I got my degree in industrial engineering. I worked for my father. Um, while I was doing that, uh, I also went to the University of Penn for two years for a management program, um, again, at night school. So uh, I never had to go away to college experience. You know, I just worked. And, and uh, uh, it, you know, there was a benefit. Obviously, I made a lot of money as a young guy and wasted a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I think it was good for me. Uh, so I told you I worked. I worked for my father for... Uh, in my early 20s, um, probably for nine years, I worked for another manufacturing company for 13 years here in Newtown. That's kind of what brought me out this way. Um, but at an early age, in my early 20s, most people here probably know me as a guy that owned a landscaping company or was a landscaper. You know, that's what you know of me. Um, back in my early 20s, a buddy of mine, uh, a guy I knew since the fourth grade, we started a landscaping company, and uh, we started the landscaping company, honestly, because we used to work as teenagers in a fish store, and um, we wanted to open a fish store, and uh, we didn't have any money. So we're like, well, we'll do this landscaping thing, make some money, and then we'll open a, a retail fish store. Well, we never opened the fish store. So he, he worked there full time. I did all the financial work. I worked every weekend at night. I mean, I worked probably... Until, that, until my age of 40, I worked six days a week all year for until I was 40, you know, and uh, probably cost me my first marriage a little bit, but uh, um, it is what it is. So that company, um, in 2017, uh, I decided that uh, I had fully intended that I would sell my shares in that company. And uh, so for years, it was a struggle when to do it, when not to do it. You know, I prayed a lot about it. I spoke to a lot of people here, some might be in this room, uh, about what that would look like. And so um, 
in 2016, I had to make a decision to to step out of the company and and let the guys that were working there who wanted to buy it from me run the company. And so I knew I was going to have to work. I wasn't going to make enough money to retire from that. So uh, then my challenge was, and I prayed a lot about it, what am I going to do? Well, I could go back into manufacturing. You know, the, the, the jobs in landscaping weren't really going to pay what I needed to make. So uh, I got a random call, and this was definitely, you know, by the grace of God, a random call from a guy that I worked with back in, uh, in the 90s who said, hey, uh, I'm working at this company up in Soderton, and it was a custom design, build, engineering, manufacturing company. They're looking for a general manager. You know, they keep asking me, do I know anybody? Do I know anybody? And uh, he said, the only guy I know, I don't think he's going to do it, but I'll call him. So I get this call from a guy I haven't talked to probably in eight years, and uh, it was for a job in manufacturing. You know, I had just determined I was going to have to look for a job. And so God put that in front of me. And so I met with the owners, and um, uh, they're Christian guys. They're, they're Mennonites. Uh, they, their last name is Landis, so I don't know if you're familiar with the Soderton area, but there's the Landises, the Burgies, the Clemens. They're all in that area. Really great Christian people, you know. And uh, so uh, we were able to come to, you know, he was looking for someone to run his company, him and his, him and his brother. Um, and uh, we were able to come to an agreement and, you know, four years later, uh, you know, I'm, I'm leading that company. And, and uh, you know, there was a lot of conversation with people in this room, like Don. Don, I spoke to Don about employment agreements and things like that. And, you know, Don knows me at church. We're in the same Bible study. But he really, you know, I, I appreciate the information you share with him because it, I use that to form my employment agreement, you know. So, so it, was, it was neat. So, anyway, long story short, uh, I had Promark for 33 years. I've sold it in 2017. I'm now at a company called CHL Systems, and um, I'm doing what I did back when I was in my 20s, you know, engineering, manufacturing. Mike, yeah. Going back to your, your family situation, yeah. did you have pushback from your, your parents or anything on your uh, not, being, not going to a Catholic church anymore? Um, no, no. I mean, that, I think they see... I think they see that I have a strong faith, and my brothers and sisters see that. And um, um, my family's pretty forgiving family. You'll see as we go through this, but uh, uh, no pushback. Yeah. Why, why did you leave Catholic Well, um, when I was a teenager, I mean, I was the Catholic Catholic kid, man. Like, I, I read the Bible front to back. I went to, I, I did it all, you know. I. I went to confession, you know, every 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 month, you know, and you, know, you get in your twenties, and you know, you start to question. And uh, in my twenties and thirties, I was I was pretty much about me, you know. And uh, um, until I actually met my current wife, and and we started our journey, did my faith really start to 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 take off again? So, and I, I'll cover that a little bit later on with my walk. So. Um, Again, if there's a question, jump in. So, uh, spiritual gifts. So, um, just to have an idea who I am. So, Romans 12, 6 to 8, you know, uh, you know, and obviously you can read this. But there, without a doubt, I think my number one spiritual gift is your gift of serving others 
serve them well. Um, I, I've been blessed to be to, ha to be a hard worker. Um, that's who. That's just who I am. Um, I enjoy working. I enjoy working with my hands. Um, and uh, you know, shy of cutting the end of my finger off, nothing. I haven't had any other issues. You know, I haven't had back issues as a landscaper. I mean, I've been able to work hard, and and I enjoy it. You know, to the point that like right now, I have an executive job, so I don't get to work with my hands much. And and the owner and I, we have these conversations, and. Uh, you know, he's like, well, you're going to have to do something that, you know, you, you have a need there that, that you have to meet. And so um, I pick up little projects on the side that I try to do, you know, just to keep my hands in it. And one day I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing this little project on, on my own, and I'm like, you know, I enjoy this. Why, do, why don't I do this at work? You know, and I'm, and I'm sitting there saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO of this company, and I'm supposed to be doing all this. And I, and I said to myself, well, who tells me that that's what I'm supposed to be doing? So I said, I'm going to do, I'm going to mix this up. So Wednesdays from 6 to 12, I work out in the shop. I work with the guys. And it does two things, right? One, it meets my need to work with my hands. And two, I'm working side by side with people on the floor, you know. And so uh, there's a huge benefit to that, right? Um, but anyway, so I'm a, that's my number one gift. Uh, but as I did this, uh, I had to highlight the second gift. Um, you know, if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. So, obviously, when, when I do something like this, I'm spending a lot of time to do it. This passage really hit me because I don't aspire to be a leader. There's some people that aspire, I want to be, be in charge. I want to be a leader. I'm not that guy. I'd rather sit in the back and do the work, but a lot of times it ends up that I end up leading the group, right? So uh, this, this phrase, I think I do have that ability to lead, and I probably don't, haven't taken it as seriously as I probably need to. So it's not what I aspire to be. It's not, it's not what I get up in the morning and say, let's go lead this group of people. But um, if you look back at the history of the things I've done, it ends up happening. So uh, it's a piece I took out of this. Where's my walk with the Lord? Um, again, I told you, I mentioned before, I've known the Lord my whole life. I, I don't know, I don't know a time when I, when, when I didn't. I think my walk is way further since I've been here at Gray's Point. Uh, it's, um, I've been here for 10 years now, um, which kind of surprised me as I did this, because when people ask, well, how long have you been there? I generally say four years. <laughs> I'm not sure why that happens, but... It's been ten. It's been ten years, you know, and and I really think that my walk has geometrically increased since I've been here. You know, the, the Catholic faith, um, you know, doesn't focus on really focus on the Bible and learn the Bible and study it. And I think that's a piece that I've really taken here, and it's really it's really uh, furthered my walk and. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. I've been blessed. I've been blessed with that. The other thing here, the other thing at Grace Point is um, there's a lot of mature Christian men here, and they're they're here today, you know, and and it's been an, a great role model for me. You know, some of the elders that I've interacted with who are just solid guys, and other 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 men who uh, 
who, you know, I'm either in with a Bible study or just being around, uh, it really has helped my walk. Um, and, uh, you know, I use this, for me, I use this an analogy, um, you know, if you ever made a duck decoy out of wood, right? So first you got to get a piece of wood, you got to carve it, you got to detail it, you know, and then you just got to start laying in paint. And then the, what takes the longest time is all the detail at the end. And, and so for me, I'm a duck, I got paint on me, but I'm not, I, I need a lot of detail. So I, I still got a lot of room, I got a lot, a lot of room to go. One thing, um, the one thing through my walk here at, at Grays Point and, and some of the Bible studies that really has impacted me is, is our relationship with the Lord is personal. And, and uh, um, this passage hit me. It was a Bible study that, that, that I was in. And I remember, I remember going through this verse, and, you know, you can read it. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another be- a believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. So you, I'm sure there's a, a ton of different interpretations to this passage, but, but that piece of but keep it between yourself and God really hit me that this is between me and him. Now, we're all here together, but your relationship is between you and God. My relationship is between him. And I... And uh, that was a big piece for me, and uh, um, I often go back to that. So uh, forgiveness, forgiveness has been a big piece of my, my life here uh, over the last, I don't know, five, six years, I don't know, maybe more than that, seven. Um, and uh, uh, I think we all need to, to focus on forgiveness. I think we... We sometimes may uh, underestimate the power of what forgiveness does for you. Um, yeah, my father modeled forgiveness for me. He, my father, uh, in his 60s, was about ready to retire. He, again, I could tell you various stories. Um, but one in particular, my father in his 60s was ready to retire. He, I wasn't working at, at his company at that point. I had a lot of brothers and sisters and in-laws that worked there, and uh, um, he was handing over some the, the authority to, to other people, and they made some horrible mistakes. And so where my father was close to retirement, he had a nest egg set, he was, you know, he was ready to go to greener pastures, he had to jump back into that company in his late 60s, which I can't even fathom as a business owner. And straighten it out, and and it cost him a lot of money. And um, those people that made those decisions are part of my family. And his forgiveness of them was a model that, you know, was a great great model for me to see. You know, the other piece here: true forgiveness begins with accepting that God has forgiven you. And so, for me. I really had to focus that, hey, if I can't believe that God forgave me, how am I going to be able to forgive someone else? And so uh, uh, that's been a big piece of of how I I try to look at forgiveness. Hey, I've been forgiven. I need to pass that on. There's some struggles with forgiveness, you know, that I've had. One is, you know, am I being taken advantage of? Like how many times do I forgive? And 
uh, I think a lot of times we forgive once, once and then, you know, hey, I, I, I've forgiven that guy. I'm going to push him to the side. Um, and then there's consequences, right? You, you know, uh, you can be forgiven, but that doesn't mean that, that everything's going to be smooth. So a couple passages that, that I reflect. Oh, this one here. I, I have to share this. So uh, to be transparent, and I, you know, uh, I, I had an issue with a guy in our church. And uh, really, we were really at a bad spot. And I actually used this phrase wrongly, but I just shared it. And I remember the telephone conversation. And it's like, if it goes this way, I'm going to shake the dust off my feet and never talk to you again. I said it. I said it just like that. Probably a little louder. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, I think I've asked for forgiveness on that. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, me and that fellow are in a good spot. But uh, uh but anyway, here, so the question of are you, are you being taken advantage of, right? So here in Matthew 18, 21, 22, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So for me, that, that, that mindset that, hey, I'm getting taken advantage of, I release that, and I'm going to just keep forgiving. And so... Uh, some people might say, well, you're being naive, but that's pretty clear, right? I have to continue to forgive. And it's been freeing for me because now I don't worry about it. I don't worry about if someone is taking advantage of me. That's the, between them and God. That's between them and God. And, uh, and I'm not the kind of guy that holds a grudge. I'm just not that. Some people get worked up and they hold that. I'm just, I've been blessed to not have that, that characteristic. And then this, you know, Matthew six fourteen. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. I mean, it's as basic as it can be. I mean, you really, you know, if you want to read more into more into that, then you you may have you've got a CJ. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. Um, you know, there are consequences. So so uh, this passage here, Exodus thirty four seven. Uh, I never really believe this passage i'd read it and i'm like come on what's what's that you know what's that mean you know uh but i don't excuse the guilt i lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren i could never fathom that and i never i never agreed with it you know and and so in one of the bible studies we were going through and it also might have been one of the sermons i think chris may have said it uh and this this version that i use i use a real easy to read bible version you know, the entire family is affected, really changed this term for me. And, and so as a divorced person, you see this. And, and uh, what I mean by that is the sin of being divorced, it's a sin, you know, like it or not, uh, um, it affects your family. It affects your children. It affects your grandchildren. It, it, this is real. And so... Uh, I've tried to share that with some people going through mar- marital struggles. Um, sometimes maybe it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the, the concept that there are consequences for your sin, you can be forgiven, but you do need to understand that there will be some consequences. So I've experienced that. Uh, so this is a Mike thing, I think. 
I think God enjoys when you step out of your comfort zone. You know, for me, I've been blessed in situations where I've stepped out of my comfort zone, and I think I think He's rewarded me for that. So, uh, I'll give you one example: is um, I joined a thir- Thursday night Bible study, and uh, um, uh, I didn't know many people in this Bible study. Uh, Glenn Ely ran it. I see some guys that are here that were in it, and uh, it for me it, it was a point where I stepped out of my comfort zone to join something that I didn't know about. I'd never been to a Bible study before. It was the first one. And, uh, you know, that made huge steps in my walk with the Lord. I mean, there's, you know, there's some guys, I think, that were in that Bible. Tom was in there. Uh, and I think you came some. Joel's, uh, Joel, Joel was in there. I mean, these mature Christian guys studying the Bible who, you know, they didn't judge me when I said something crazy or whatever, you know, and, they, and it was just, it was a really, really big step for me. And the other piece with that particular Bible study was uh, a lot of us shared the same passions, you know, we're all working kind of guys, and, and uh, so it was really good. So now I'm in a Tuesday morning one, uh, so a bunch of those guys are here today, I appreciate those guys coming, and, uh, you know, it's a different group, it's a different group, and a lot of these guys are pretty tight-knit, and I'm maybe not as close to them. Um, but in that Bible study, it's, it's really encouraging because uh, great topics come up. And, and uh, you know, for me, it was easy for me to make excuses why not to go. It's Tuesday morning. i got to work. So I've committed to try to make time to be there, and, and it, it makes a difference for me. And uh, so, I, so I see that as a blessing, and I think God blessed me for stepping out of that, that comfort zone. Helping with this men's breakfast, you know. So I, I didn't know anybody in this men's breakfast. Uh, uh, Jack ran it back then. Uh, um, Creed was still here back then. You know, Larry, who's passed away, was one of the big guys. And, and Norm has always been there. And Dave Nelson, some of you guys probably know Dave. And I, I just signed up. And uh, it, was, it was a blessing to work with these mature Christians, you know, and, and there's a piece of me that's sad that we don't have any young men here, you know, that because the blessing that they'll get to work beside some of these guys is, is, uh, was incredible. So for me, uh, I was blessed by being a part of that. Now, Jay sucked me into to taking this over a little bit, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. guilt trip. Yeah. Yeah. So tithing. So tithing was a big thing for me, stepping out of my comfort zone. And and I've been truly blessed by by changing that. And so, um, you know, when I started coming to this church, you know, I didn't give what I should give. And uh, um, I always thought I was a giving person and I help people out, you know, and uh, so. I didn't really think about it. It wasn't for me. It wasn't something that I that I needed to do. And um, uh, so in our Bible, the Thursday night Bible study, I don't know if you guys remember, it was one topic we talked about. And and uh, I remember talking to Timmy Laidlaw. Timmy was in our group. And, uh, you know, I remember after we're talking about, if I gave all that I'm supposed to be given, I could be driving a Maserati. You know, we we, we joked around. And, and some know Tim, some don't. But he was a really... He was a good guy in that Bible study. But anyway, so I committed to, you know, I committed to increasing uh, what, I, uh, what I was giving. And so 
uh, a couple Bible verses that 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 affected me through that, or Second um, Corinthians nine through seven. Uh, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So I'm glad Dave's not here today, right? <laughs> for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and for me that that reluctant part was big, right? So uh, if you're giving with some level of animosity, I don't think you're doing it right. So, so for me, t- to give and not be reluctant has made a big difference, you know, for me. Um, and then further on in that same, in that same book, uh, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a greater harvest of generosity in you. And I, I believe this, and, and that phrase at the bottom, if you look at my computer at work, I have two monitors, and, and I'm that old guy that has stickers all over my monitors. And uh, this is one phrase, for those who have much, much is expected. And I, I believe that. I, I, you know, uh, I believe if God's blessed you with, with uh, talents or money or resources, that then that much is expected. And so... Uh, I've been able to see I've been able to see uh, blessings in increasing what that tithing has been, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a, a real life example. So um, back before I I determined you know hey I'm going to increase what I'm what I'm giving now. Let me just be clear. I'm not saying I give the right amount. I'm not saying I give more. I give, I don't know. I give what I'm comfortable with. All right. So let's just get that. Let's get. That. Let's get that out there. But um, I, I, I made the leap to say I'm going to give more. And, and so I owned a business. I had rental properties. My question, I remember talking to, to, to uh, Chris McCluskey. And I was like, hey, hey, man, how do I calculate this 10%? I got a business here. I got a rent. Like, what, what do you – and, and he's like, hey, it's really, you know, what you, you give joyfully. And so that was, that was a big part of it. So to give you an example uh, – I lived in this house. I don't know if you can see it. This house is in Newtown. It was huge. Uh, I worked to live in that house <laughs> instead of, you know, live to work. And uh, so when I decided that I'm gonna, I was going to increase what I'm given, you know, I, I increased it by like five times. And I didn't know where that money was going to come from. And anyway, so I'm in this house, and uh, I had a ton of problems with this house. The stucco, right? So the stucco was leaking. I had a mushroom growing, like, in one of my rooms. And this house was monstrous. It was, like, you know, 6,000 square feet. And uh, so, uh, you know, I made this transition to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start giving more. I'm going to see where this goes, you know. And uh, he blessed me in a, in a lot of ways, you know. So uh, my wife's cleaning one of the rooms, and she says, hey, what's this over here? We look on the baseboard. There's literally mushrooms growing. This house is so big we didn't use all the rooms, right? And so the house is nine years old. What am I going to do? You know, I, you know I, I, I had to call the builder. I, Keith, I don't know if you were. I actually called you at one point because I, I thought I was going to have to sue these guys. So it was Toll Brothers. Toll Brothers comes out. They start ripping the stucco off, right? So they take the stucco off some of these windows. They... They repatch around the house. It took probably nine months. Yeah, you know. And if you ever take stucco off a house, it's a real chore. So you saw it with a circular saw, you know, with a diamond blade, and then you beat it off. So my wife's in the house while they're doing this, right? So 
they fix it, yeah, we got it fixed. You know, a year later, it's leaking again, right? So I know more about stucco. If anybody has a stucco issue, come see me. And uh, so, so what ended up happening, they had to come back. They had to rip all the stucco off, change all the windows in this house, all of them. This is the house when they were done. Looked totally different. How I was blessed in that, I didn't pay a penny for that. That, that easily cost $300,000. I didn't pay one penny. You know, that's a, to me, that's a huge blessing. You know, and so as I'm going through this, I mean, obviously, obviously, there's a lot of bitterness with that house, right? You know, and uh, I was like, I'm, I'm, I, I prayed about it, and I'm like, I'm selling this house. I'm going to sell it. I mean, why am I living in this house? It's just me and my wife. It's a 5,000-square-foot house. It's ridiculous. There's rooms we don't even go in. And uh, so I committed this. I told my wife, we're selling it. And uh, they were done the house in, like, I don't know, August. Uh, I put the house on the market in September. It was on the market for one day. And I sold it for 50% more than I paid for it. So that's a blessing. That, that wasn't anything I did. Yeah. So, so, so can you say, wow, that's got nothing to do with tithing. I'm just showing you, you can get blessed by tithing. The sale of my, the sale of my company, I think, was a, was, I'm blessed to, because of that. Now, again, I'm not saying I give the right amount. I'm not saying I, I make the percentage. I can say I give what I give, and I'm cheerful to do it. So... So uh, I think I got a little time left. No, Jay? Yeah, a couple? All right. So, um, so I wanted to just share a little bit. For those guys that go to the men's retreat, um, uh, it's a really positive thing, you know. And, and every time I come out of that, I, I, you know, I'm energized. And so for the, the last 10 years, I've been journaling when I, when I go to the retreat. And some of it... Some of it is about my, my family and work and things like that, and, and some of it is just taking notes for things that are said. And for me, uh, it's, it's a positive thing. Um, there's an over, as, I, as I prepared to go through this, I probably spent hours going through this book, and uh, an overarching theme kept coming up. One is, hey, go back to this book more than once a year. Well, I fail at that. You know? <laughs> I probably pull this book out right before we go to the men's retreat. So for me, this was a challenge to, say, to, to share some of the, those things that happened at the men's retreat. So, uh, you know, and the other one was, you know, a lot of times I'll hear, this, I'll hear people say, hey, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time for me, you know. And um, that's something that i got to work to change to make sure that those people that are around me feel that I, I have enough time. So it's amazing over 10 years, some of the things are exactly the same. I haven't made a bit of change which is a little frustrating. But there's also some things that have been really encouraging. So I wanted to share some things that I, that I have written down about some of those men's retreats. So if you don't go to the men's retreat, um, this may not mean much to you. If you have gone to them, you may remember some of these phrases. But at the end of the day, I encourage everybody to go because I think it's, a, it's just a positive, a positive overall experience. So 2010 was the first one I went to. And for those guys that put on the men's retreat, I don't know if there's any here, but I'm not sure if self-identity was the exact uh, topic, but that's what I got out of it, you know. 
So 2010 was the first one. And I'm just going to read these. Um, uh, you cannot lead if you don't have the right identity, one based on God. Who God says you are is really who you are. Don't, don't identify yourself as a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by Christ. And then there's a fellow, Igor. I think that, I think that was his name. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, this phrase really caught me. Um, he said, he, he gave his, he gave his uh, testimony. He said, cling to God. Don't try to let God get your attention his way. And he was so passionate about that because he lived a rough life. And, and he shared how God really had to break him down to get, to get his attention. And he, he passionately told us that you don't want that to happen to you. So that, you know, was a, I think that was a unique testimony. 2011, the pastors presented. Jay, I don't know if you spoke or not, but Brian. Well, I certainly did. Did you? All right. Was any, was, did you say any of that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so this one really hit me. This for, I don't know if you said it, who, you know, but Mark 419. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire of other things, so no fruit is produced. Uh, don't be passive at home. Don't settle, engage. Don't leave it all at work. Uh, for boys to become men, we need to teach them. Misguided desire starts a start sin. Worry is the greatest thief, thief of joy. And if you guys got anything particular, just jump in if you can remember. But uh, these were all ones that I saw some that I, I highlighted in my book. I don't want to happen in 2012. Is that the one that got canceled? Yeah. We had it here at the church. Yeah, I didn't write anything about that one. <laughs> so 2013, relationship with God's family. This, this went on about with your wife, with your friends. With, you know, it, it had a lot of different things. Humility is looking at yourself the way God looks at you. The Bible doesn't say marry the person you love. Learn to love the woman you married. Learn how to make a learn how to take a non-believer step by step through the Bible to help them be saved. That happened in 2013. I still don't know how to do it. Yeah. So anyway, if you're not praying for non-believers, you're doing it wrong by knocking on doors. And, and uh, I often don't pray enough for non-believers, but uh, I think that's something all we can we can take a positive out of that. 14, what defines a man? A man. Men who are not affirmed by men seek to be affirmed by their culture. Spiritual men empower others, not beat them down. Pray before I say and I need. That's a, that's a personal struggle for me. I, don't, I, um, I need to be a little more patient in that. Confused men settle for less. For me, um, I think, well, I'm glad you asked that question. So for me, I think people who are confused by a lot of different things, where they are with their walk, with their life, where, what they're doing in their life, they become paralyzed, and they don't do anything. So they have this level of, of, of paralysis, you know, because they don't know what to do. And I think when you, when you are stuck in that mode, um, you don't produce any fruit. And, and for me, I think uh, you have to have a level of direction and, and not just be in, in what's in front of you right this minute. Like, what's the little longer picture so that you can move ahead? And I think a lot of men are stuck. 
They're stuck in an area where they're just doing the same thing every day. That's my personal opinion. And they don't produce fruit because they're not looking past that. And so for me, I think confused men settle for less. Yeah. We're kind of failing that next generation we are. by letting them be that way because they have a different challenge than we do. Mm -hmm. right? in terms they of do. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I, 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 one of the, the slides was, you know, we need to teach boys how to be men. And I know I fail at that. But the fact that there's no young guys in this room, I'm going to say we're all failing at it. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was 2014. 15. Talked about friends. This was an interesting one. Um, Andy, you had that up there. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. You gave your testimony, but I had it written down. Marry well. That was your. Did you remember that? Absolutely. Yeah. That was your big thing. I thought that was pretty unique. Uh, until you are transparent, you walk alone. You know, one of the, I don't have it up here, I don't think. Yeah, one of the ones, I, I don't know if this was out of C.S. Lewis. I can't, my handwriting's horrible. But one of, the, one of the things that it talked about friends was unless you have a common passion, you can't have a true friend, right? And so, uh, you know, a lot of us, I think, we stay, we, we don't engage with, some, with, with other men. And uh, um, I think you walk alone in a lot of situations if you don't and and I fall into that I know I do I uh, and I I know I need to be better with uh, being open and transparent to other guys you know why don't we let people you know why don't uh, why don't we let people in because we're afraid of uh, of what people think and I, I think that's a cultural thing but uh, I know it affects me by the grace of God means we must show grace you know and I I know some of these things are cliche and you know them, but sometimes you need to be told them again. At least I do. Fifteen, freedom. Justification is not received by trying, but received by grace and by faith. Don't let society take our joy and contentment. Put God's God puts opportunities in front of us. We don't need to look for them. You know. There's another time I ran out of room here, but the, 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 the concept there is, you know, hey, we don't need to look for the big opportunities to please God. He gives us plenty on a daily basis. The question is, do we take them? You know? we, to, uh, we need to make our decision to choose and follow God every day. I, I, when I read that back, I remember him saying that. That was a big one. You know, every day do we decide to follow God? And, and um, I know I probably don't. Uh, something to work on. You were called to stand out, so don't blend in. 17, discipleship. Easy to be busy for God, but not as much with him. God wants a relationship with you. Secret sin. We stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And I think we probably all fall into that a little bit. The set, and I don't know who wrote this. I'm sure there's some author. I, don't, I didn't write it down. But the saddest words of pen or tongue are, it might have been. So uh, 
I combined 18 and 19 because Dave Ritter did both of them. <laughs> he did 18 and 19. And Dave's big, I don't know if you remember, but he's big. At, you know, when he finishes a session, he says the bottom line. He gives, you the, he gives you the term. But the bottom line, aspire to live your life in such a way that the only explanation for it is Jesus. And he used this one twice. He probably doesn't remember, but he did. The long hours of, and I have this on my computer too. The long hours of work don't cause us to burn out. It's the lack of producing fruit that causes us to burn out. And that is, that's true. I use that at work all the time because it's, it, it really, uh, it's really true. It's true today and it'll be true in the future, you know. Could you, could you elaborate just a little bit on that? Yeah. So, um, uh, in a work, in a work environment, you know, you can work 60 hours a week and you might be doing task oriented things. And at the end of the day, if those task-oriented things aren't moving forward, they're just status quo, they're, they're task things, that burns people out because they don't see any fruit from what they're doing. And so, you know, I think it's as managers, they need to make sure that the people working for them are producing fruit. They are moving ahead and not just working a million hours to do the same thing. And... Uh, uh, for me, that's true too. You know, I can work a lot of hours, but uh, if if there's nothing positive coming from it, you get burned out. Yeah, I think this one, this was from 17, this top one, again, I had much more on it, but it's easy to be busy for God, but not as much with him. You know, we, we can be easy running around doing a lot of things for the church or wh whatever, but are we really spending time with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so the last two I had there, no one is beyond Jesus' touch. If I'm a follower of Jesus, no one is beyond my touch. 
So, you know, the, for me, this book is 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 uh, it has been a value. Now, do I go back to it enough? No, but I, I need to commit to doing that. So, so that's it. That's all I got. That's, that's it. Huh? Yeah. Right. Is that enough? Yeah. Did I make the time? Yeah. I didn't tell him to say anything that he said this morning. All this came right from him, his heart. It's great. I right. thought you just, right. you just like, amen, almost everything you said here this morning. Thank you so Good. much, Mike. Yeah, I great. really appreciate it. I think we all do. <laughs>